0: Hello and welcome to the Coast to Coast College Admissions podcast. Each week we talk about different college admissions topics and answer those tough questions you may be dealing with concerning getting into the college of your choice. We know how difficult this process can be, so each week we try and make it easier to navigate. Now here's your host, Anna Wren and Mark Hofer.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Coast to Coast College Admissions podcast with your hosts, Anna Wren and.
0: Mark Hofer.
1: We are so excited today because it's back to school almost, and we're excited to talk to you today about course selection versus finding your path. And this could be whether you're in college or mostly in high school, but you know, it's time to start thinking about classes and exploration and starting the year off right, right, Mark?
0: Agreed. I don't know about you, Anna, but this is the time of year that, you know, we've got. We've got uh, students heading off to college and we've got students who are preparing for, you know, what they're going to put on applications in their senior year and what uh, kind of classes that they're interested about preparing for college. And I think I, this is one of those interesting conversations that we have with students about what classes to take. Um, what, do, what are some of the most common questions Uh, about classes that you get? I
1: think that's a really great question. And what I would say is, I don't know if it's different in Seattle. I wanted to bring this up real quick. But like we do course selection typically in New Jersey around February. But during this time, what is important going into high school is understanding that add-drop period of whether or not you can get out of a class (laughs) uh, before it goes on your transcript. Um, So kind of like that testing period. But I think it's still very much relevant because – I think students usually try to take the hardest classes they can because depending on where you are in terms of if this is your first rodeo or not, um, yeah. you, you may or may not know that, you know, SAT, ACT testing and GPA is Not necessarily the most important factor in college admissions, and that it's oftentimes the rigor of the classes. So one of the questions I often get is: Is it you know more important to get like that A in like an honors class or take the chance of getting a lower grade in an AP class?
0: Absolutely, I think those are some of the issues that uh, a lot of times uh, students are, are faced with. You know what kind of rigor they take and. And what are the ramifications and what does it look like on, on their transcript? And, and I think that is one of the things that I'm, I'm finding out after talking to years and years of, of admissions representatives that, you know, they understand that your freshman and sophomore years are a, a big point of um, maturation in, in teenagers. And that uh, they even expect there to be some exploration and finding out. You know st- study skills and and how you study best and take tests best and all of those things so but when the rubber hits the road and it becomes your junior and senior year um that's when it really becomes important so i i totally agree with you that's how how to uh, how to balance that rigor with what's going to actually appear on the transcript
1: and also i think how do you like i don't know if you get this class too but classes that they're quote unquote genuinely interested in versus classes that they think would look good or that would be perceived as more competitive
0: yeah, the perception of rigor and uh, having having been a classroom teacher for ten years, I can tell you the rigor of a class it depends on who's teaching it, not necessarily what the label is having taught. You know, AP classes in biology and psychology, which are my favorite things to teach, I can tell you that just down the hall, it may be taught completely different and with different content. But there again, if you're going to an international baccalaureate program, that is actually a very regulated curriculum so that you know it's going to be taught the same in your classroom as some other state or even some other country. And colleges know that.
1: That's true. And um, I would say, I don't know that that holds for AP classes. I think that varies across the country. But what do you think are some questions that students should ask themselves when they think about uh, the classes that they're taking?
0: Yeah, the, the big ones for me is, and I've changed somewhat over time, and having worked with so many students who have actually gone through high school, through college and into their careers, taking a little bit longer uh, view, look at why they're taking classes. And I think that's the reason why I start with students and ask them if they can really identify why do they want to go to college, not necessarily what they want to study, because I don't think any 14 to 17 year old actually knows <laughs> very rare that they do. There's probably 5%. But in most cases, um, what are they interested in and what are the, you know, high probabilities of areas that they might want to study not only in college, but longer down the road. And they're again, not trying to pigeonhole them, just trying to have them think long-term and choose their classes intentionally.
1: Hmm, I think that's a great point. And the other point I think with that is when you're choosing your classes, I mean, there are certain classes you have to take, like New Jersey has a financial literacy requirement. Um, but when you choose your classes, I think it's important to think about, well, you know, what will this help me learn about myself? So I think a cl- So I think figuring out what you don't like is just as important as figuring out what you do like.
0: Oh, absolutely! If not more important, I I I totally agree with you. Finding out it's easier to make a mistake in high school and find take a class and go. Oh my gosh, I really hate statistics. Rather than to get to college (laughs) and yourself, you know, in a statistics class that you thought you were going to go down the world of finance, and that is just you know that's that's when it it costs money then because college is so expensive. So it's better to make some of the explorations and mistakes early. And, and just find out what you like. Like you said, what do you, you know, what, do you, what are the things you like to do and talk about?
1: Absolutely. And the other thing to keep in mind is not just necessarily what are you the best in? Because I think a lot of students will say like, oh, I have the easiest time learning math or, you know, history class comes the easiest to me. So that, that should be what I look into. I think it really, you think about what, Um, The path looks like, for example, if you were to pursue that, let's say 10, 15 years from now, in the sense that like, for example, I in high school, I was like, I love biology. I love genetics. I am going to study genetic engineering and I'm going to (laughs) figure out, you know, how you solve these genetic um, disease issues. And then and so literally my high school record, like that academic, like resume and everything, it's all geared towards STEM, actually. And then last minute, someone (laughs) asks me, I don't, or they said to me, I don't see you in a lab all day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I hadn't quite thought about that. Like, while I do enjoy conducting experiments, I hadn't thought about, you know, being a social person if I would miss interacting with the public much more. And so last minute, when I was applying for college, I changed my major. (laughs) Uh to communications and business and I'm sure like you know as much as we tell our students like oh you should try to pick activities and you know um, classes that support your interests. know that it's okay to change your mind too you know I still got into college you know even though I had a stem resume (laughs) with a business major
0: exactly well, and, and you know, with my professional background being in a lot of different STEM areas and engineering and different labs and, and uh, specialties and, of uh, you know, different areas of science, um, I, I have written a lot and I speak out about because I know a lot of people who have done this is, you know, kids get identified as a good math student early on. And then somebody says, you know, you should be an engineer. Mm. And next thing you know, that becomes their life focus. And like you said, not necessarily what you're good at doing, but what you like to do. And I can't tell you the number of people who after, you know, they're three or four years into a degree and so much money has been spent, they feel threatened that they can't change direction when they find out, I really don't like doing math. I don't like engineering. But i'm so far into it, I feel like I can't turn around, and I think that's mm. the that's the reason why be intentional and do a little bit of investigation early so that you're not spending all the money and don't feel like you've been cornered later.
1: I think that's a great point, and also know that like I think more and more high schools do have pre professional classes that you can take and try to explore, such as an engineering class but Let's say you go to a really small high school where that might not be an option. You can always look outside too. And even if, for example, like Mark said, like um, see if there's an engineering firm nearby. See if they're looking for someone to help out during the summer. Just get a feel for the work. Is it something you genuinely like? Because, you know, it's important to learn about your interests both in the classroom, but sometimes it has to happen outside of the classroom as well.
0: Agreed. That's part of being courageous and looking for other opportunities. You mentioned something that is interesting, and I think it's worth exploring in the conversation. Of course, work in class, and how do you pick classes? Um, you mentioned that uh, in New Jersey, you have to take a financial literacy class. Not only do I think that's brilliant and and one of the, probably the best classes anyone could possibly take, um, it's not required in Washington. And, oh, uh, that is one of those things where, um, you know, colleges know what are requirements of students in different areas. So if, if you have, uh, if you're restricted by what classes you can take, and that could be because you go to a private school or a public school or a large comprehensive high school versus a small rural school. And those kind of things, those are restrictions that students face or not restrictions, but limitations, I guess, that students face in, choosing their coursework and like you mentioned those students who seek out opportunities both coursework and internships and, and experience that uh, might help them identify what they like to do those who are courageous enough to do that colleges notice those things especially if they're highlighted in your application
1: that's a great point and it can be highlighted i think even whether it be in the guidance counselor rock Um, or in that additional info section is another place, Um, or maybe even your resume. Um, But, yeah, that's a great point you raise. And I should comment. So the financial literacy, the most basic class you can take here is actually teaching kids how to balance a checkbook
0: Absolutely. understanding
1: loans, which I think are all really great skills um, for students to have. Um, but a thing you might consider is if there are other classes you would rather take instead, because for sure I have students that don't want to take that class. Um, yeah. They believe it's taking away a valuable AP spot. And then you can also look into seeing, you know, are there classes you can take in alternative ways, like over the summer or online?
0: Yep. And with online classes, that becomes an option, and colleges know it's an option, and how you spend your time during the summer, you know, those are choices, and they identify maturity and responsibility. If you make those opportunities happen, they identify it as a pretty good potential that you're going to do the same things in college and graduate on time, and they have numbers that are starting to point and be able to support their beliefs, so... That's one of those ideas. I don't know if I've told you, I, one of my favorite uh, conversation starters when I meet people is ask them, hey, what's one thing that you think every high school graduate should know? And basically, I've compiled this list of things that people have found have been most important in their life. And when I asked my wife, Heather, she said without a, a second beat, she immediately said compound interest. And I agree. And if you understand that you understand a lot of finances and a lot of other things real quick
1: and you make better choices
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: no that's a great point you should publish that as a book by the way it should go yeah. on all all coffee tables
0: I thought about it as a, as a possible, you know, website where people could add to it.
1: I think it's a great idea. So what other questions should they be asking, especially when it comes to taking more rigorous classes and which ones to take and stuff like that?
0: Well, not only the rigor, and 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 we've talked about this and in our notes that we pass back and forth to each other, um, we talk about, you know, if a student is faced with the choice of taking, you know, a a load of classes... At the highest possible rigor that they know is going to be so stressful that they can't breathe right and what really uh, breaks my heart is when students do that with all the right intentions of trying to make, you know shine a light on their their academic potential and what happens is they get so stressed they don't get enough sleep and they get sick Mm. What happens is, you know, grades plummet and then they realize their grade points are not where they should be. And that causes more stress. And I've seen so many tailspins in juniors and senior years that that's the thing that just breaks my heart when I see that. When, if the conversation was, Take the most rigorous possible, look at your whole schedule in the rest of your life, Mm. make sure that you're, you're practicing due diligence and being intentional about choosing which rigor of classes you take.
1: I think that could be not, you know, that could not be said any better. Intention is so important. And I think um, equally important is understanding in terms of really understanding the reasoning you are taking those classes and the level of those classes. Because I don't know if you've noticed in your state, but in my state, it's almost like, oh, well, it's cool to be in, you know, the honors class or to take that class. And Uh, which is definitely a deviation from when I was growing up in terms of what was cool back then. But at the same time, you know, I tell my students, like, you have to understand, you know, sometimes I tell them, you have to take a step back to move forward and know that it's okay to take a step back in order to move forward because if you are not understanding the content or if you're feeling stupid, quote, unquote, or you haven't grasped those study skills needed to be in an honors or AP level class, then, you know, it's not worth it.
0: One of my favorite, and I I totally agree with you, one of my favorite adages about that whole concept is it's okay to fail. Matter of fact, you should. And you should fail forward, meaning like you Mm -hmm. say, it's okay to make a mistake and find out that you're not good at something. But um, it's it's also, what are you getting out of that? If, if if it's to identify that you want to call yourself, as you quoted, s- stupid, that's not healthy and that's not failing forward. So I think that's one of the things in our society. We don't realize that um, finding out you're not good at something is actually really a, a very valuable lesson. Um, Jon Stewart, um, one of my favorite quotes from him is, he said one of the things he is most proud of is knowing all of the things that he's not good at. And basically he's tried so many things and he's found out some of them aren't his forte. So, and, but that takes courage and um, to do it over a period of time and, and, and challenge yourself, that's, that's not in everybody's uh, personality.
1: That's true. And then I think we have to talk about how not all classes are created equal.
0: <laughs> well, it, the thing that, it, it, and I know it frustrates, especially those who are in admissions at colleges and they're looking at transcripts from schools all over the country. And, um, I, I like to make, uh, you know, AP classes, um, the, the the target of the conversation because there's not a regulated thing other than a test at the end um, that, that actually coursework actually has to cover. Um, and, and that means that there can be a lot of difference depending on the resources at a school, the resources to a teacher, the background of the teacher. All of those things factor into what the student actually experiences in a class. So, and then there's honors, and some schools don't even have AP. And some schools don't even have honors. They have the bare minimum of classwork. So when you're a college uh, admissions um, evaluator, they have so many different things on the table. So I think that's, and that falls right into the lap of students and the ambiguity of what classes they want to take and should take.
1: That's a great point. Um, And do you want to cover kind of, for example, the um, AP math example?
0: Oh, AP math. Uh, well, okay. So I
1: think that's
0: a good one. One of, one of the things with AP math, um, especially the AP calculus. AP calculus is, uh, from, from what I've gathered from admissions representatives, AP calculus is one of those things that they really like to see. Um, it's kind of one of their benchmarks of, of, have you attained a certain level of rigor in your mathematics? And they, there is a, a, I mean, math is not for everybody. And mm-hmm. they know that but they also know it's one of those things that shows math literacy, which is becoming a bigger part of uh, our day-to-day lives. And I think that's one of those issues where students who are not necessarily really, math does not come easy to them um, in choosing a class. And you pointed out something that I think is really important that doesn't factor into a lot of uh, evaluations. And that's basically if a student knows that a particular teacher teaching, um, say, like AP Calculus, is really hard. But they know that the AP Statistics class is taught by somebody who loves the subject and is actually an enjoyable and pretty easy class. I mean, if you are faced with taking one of those classes, if you're a student, I mean, that's a really tough decision. Have you had students who have bumped into that?
1: Absolutely, they, they have, because a lot of colleges, like certain, I think it's more so like tech schools, um, have said, like, we prefer um, seeing AP Calc versus AP Stats. Yeah. Um, but I think that really depends on the major, too, because honestly, if you're going to be an art major, yeah. I don't know that you need to take an AP Math, you know? Um, I think that's a nice to have, but... I would assume you know taking AP Studio or something is probably more relevant. Uh, but at the same time, I think you know depending on what the student wants to study is what we end up deciding, right? So for example, I have a nursing student, and we decided you know what stats is going to be more relevant for him. So I don't know that it's necessarily you should pick based on the school unless you know you've already mapped your course out in the sense that thinking you know, I have to go to this school and this is the best way to prepare for that school.
0: I completely agree. And I think that even leads back to um, one of the fun things about doing the work that you and I do is those those opportunities we get to work with students earlier on in the game and explore some of these questions so that if they have some idea that, you know, like you say, are they going to, uh, you know, a STEM school or are they going to an art school? that can actually help them identify you know which classes at the very highest rigor that are applicable to those schools that they might be applying to and as they start to think about their junior year in colleges then they can do their investigation and research of those schools that they will possibly be attending and applying to what are those requirements and what are the things that they're looking for from applicants and I think that should be part of that intentional game of, you know, pick pick your courses that make sense in the direction that you're headed. And I think you are, are absolutely right in that um, even though you may be headed down one of those paths, much like you experienced, just before you go head to college, you can actually identify, you know, I really am not headed that direction. So I, I think that's one thing that, that that pressure to uh, know exactly what you're going to be doing is, is kind of dangerous.
1: Yes. And I think you had m- mentioned before how like some people are too scared to U-turn <laughs> or or make a different turn. Um, we have a lot of jug handles in Jersey, <laughs> but um, what I would say is, you know, it's never too late. And while it can sometimes be more costly in terms of time and money, if you've taken economics, then you also know what's happened before is a sunk cost.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you've taken economics, you also know why you don't want to graduate with in debt.
1: Yes, <laughs> this is also an important lesson too. So, um, what would you say for like students who are looking at certain classes and like what should they be consider if they have you know are considering, for example, an AP history class?
0: Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, admissions has has been pretty open about they use certain classes as. Um, they I they use it as a standard to try to identify what students are bringing to the table both academically and uh, intellectually and their potential and AP history is a common one you know those those are one of those classes where they consider it to be uh, almost you know it's a requirement on a For those people, those students who have the opportunity to take it at their school, it's a requirement, and colleges expect to see that on your your transcript. So, um,
1: what happens if they don't like history?
0: Yeah, I know. Isn't that's one of the the nasty, evil parts of uh, you know trying to set yourself up for success? If you know that you don't like history, but it's a requirement that you know is expected. Uh, do you actually take that class? I actually encourage students to take that class, and I actually, I'm even evil in that <laughs> I, I actually, all students, I try to um, I encourage uh, calculus just because I see mm-hmm. their world that they're growing up in being able to have calculus as a language that they can understand. Um, also, I, I think anytime you can take calculus and statistics you are preparing yourself to uh, understand the world around you in a much more powerful way. So I'm kind of nasty in that. I think all art students should take statistics and calculus.
1: <laughs> okay. There you go. There you have it. I think it's important to keep it in context in terms of the future. Like for example, I will always encourage my students to try and test out a computer science class, Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and see if it, might be interesting to them um it isn't for every child but um but obviously if there are some students who for example are really struggling uh with foreign languages or struggle with logic um then then i'm like okay maybe maybe not
0: (laughs) well one of the classes that and and this almost comes in in the first conversation i have with students i say does your class does your school offer ap psychology and if they do, I say, well, that, it's required you take that. And I get <laughs> up the stairs. I, I said, all the classes that will help you in life, take an AP, you know, uh, AP class, something like uh, psychology that, that you will use every day for the rest of your life. And uh, that, that doesn't always find me in the best favor. <laughs> well,
1: you know, uh, we also talk about like philosophy too, right? Yes. So that's a requirement when I went to college and I was like, oh, I, I took the same philosophy professor twice because it was a requirement to take two semesters of it. But I have to tell you, that was one of the classes where I walked out not knowing, and not just understanding. Like I understood it in, the pre- in, in class, but then when I walked out, I don't know if it, I, I made sense at all. Um, but I do, I do think it was a really valuable class to take in terms of helping you to reason.
0: Well, one of the things that, I mean, I think everybody who, uh, helps students along the way, we enter it with a bunch of bias as well. And we kind of ask ourselves, what are the things we think would be valuable for them? But I think you're exactly right. I think those are the, some of the, 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 issues that we deal with and try to help students identify what's going to be important to them for the future. I, to give you an idea, I found out, you, you know that I love Italian and, and I have gone to immersion school and I, I think everybody should learn Italian because uh, then I'd have more people to speak with. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I've often op- opened up conversations like this when we talk about classes and I say, well, are you taking AP Italian? And, um, you know, of course you get stares. and, uh, I've had students, you know, they say, well, no one, there isn't an AP Italian, uh, class. And I said, actually it is, it's in New York and you know, you can take AP Italian and they say, but we don't offer it here. And I say, are are all you going to give me is our excuses. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think. I think we have to keep it in context of, of what they like and what's going to be valuable to them in the future, even if it is AP Italian.
1: And I think, you know, it's important also, like as we talk about um, classes, like do challenge yourself. Challenge yourself in taking classes you've never taken before. Agreed. For the pure fact that you might like something. Um, like, for example, I did not know what to expect of theology class <laughs> when I got to college and it's yes. a requirement because I went to a Catholic school. And I loved it. I wish I had more credit, so I could have also minored in theology, just for my personal <laughs> interest, not that I would get to do anything with it, um, because I don't plan on going into that profession, but just for the pure fact of looking at um, things in a different way that I had never done so, that I had never done before. Um, and I, I really loved that. Um, actually, there was a really interesting article that came out recently from an Emory theology professor that just gives out A's. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is I'm so torn on how to feel about this article. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you saw that one yet, but you should definitely check it out.
0: I haven't seen that. But I mean, how many students have we had go to college and they've taken either a philosophy or a theology class? And they say, you know, I love this, and I've seen so many students who, much like you said, they find out that they really like answering questions, thinking deeply and reflecting, and having gone to, uh, not gone to a, um, I, I went to a, uh, a Jesuit college for graduate school. And that was, and it's very much on the idea of the, the liberal arts, where you you read important texts, you ask good questions, you have conversations and reflect. And I think much like you found out in theology, it's, it's one of those things that if you haven't entertained those things and you are an inquisitive uh, person who likes to think, those can be areas of great joy. And I, I think that's one of those things um, that students, when they get to college, the psychology, the philosophy, and the theology classes catch them off guard, and they find out how much they like doing those things.
1: Yes, yeah, so or like I realized I didn't like psychology, but I like sociology more.
0: Yeah, Exactly. <laughs>
1: So it's important to experiment. And I think it's important, like, while it is important to have a rigorous transcript for college, I think it's equally important, like we're talking about, to explore and really enjoy your classes because um, you think that it won't show up on your application, but it does. It does show up in terms of, for example, your essays. That's an opportunity for us or for colleges to understand, wow, this is how her mind works. This is what intellectually excites her or him. So don't, you know, I think it's a time for exploration and challenging yourself, but not only just with like that AP, IB, honors designation, but also just in terms of um, self-growth and discovery.
0: Couldn't agree more. And I think you, you touched on one thing that I think is timely because a lot of students are looking at, you know, the essay prompts and and they're uh, coming up with essay themes and, and writing their first ugly drafts or maybe even completing their, their final drafts. But one of the things that I have, having read thousands of essays, a couple of them stand out that uh, are on this very subject, and it's taking a class that I knew would be challenging and I wasn't necessarily going to like, and then reflecting on what did I learn in that process? And I've read some really great essays that really identify character development, maturation, responsibility, maturity, all of those things. And that's exactly what makes a really good college essay.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, And, you know, remember like that there are opportunities to learn outside. So like those classes you can take, you know, Mm -hmm. online at a community college, you know, anywhere.
0: Did I mention that, uh, you know, Italian and AP Italian can be taken on? Anyway, just
1: those <laughs> people wanting a
0: challenge out there.
1: <laughs> so what else should they keep in mind?
0: Well, this as we is
1: go into the next season.
0: Yeah, this is, this is a whole podcast all by itself. But if you and, and we have students who are looking at colleges and trying to identify what to which ones to apply to and, where, and it always comes up. Is the liberal arts versus a university? And for Mm -hmm. those who know that they are definitely headed towards the STEM STEM and science and uh, in general, you know, universities usually are the direction that they head. And then, you know, for engineers, I bring up, well, have you thought about Harvey Mudd? It's a liberal arts school. And just exploring the idea of, You know, there are liberal arts schools where sciences are very important, but they have a different philosophy on how that's approached. And so when you have students who are coming to you um, and and they ask the liberal arts university question, how do you usually try to fish out what they're really asking?
1: I feel like a lot of times I, I'm actually usually the one to recommend, (laughs) liberal arts colleges. Um, at least cause on the East coast, I think it's like, obviously the, the universities get a little more recognition. Um, But I talk to them in terms of like, you know, how how do you like to learn? Because I think at a lot of universities, you'll get more lecture type, um, at least in the beginning, at least based classes, whereas there are some students that really thrive on discussion and having more opportunities to work with their professors directly. Um, And I also tell them that going to a liberal arts college doesn't necessarily mean you can't go into a certain profession. So, you know, it's not necessarily as defined. For example, there are fewer liberal arts colleges, for example, with a business uh, school, let's take as an example, but it doesn't mean you can't go into business if you graduate from a liberal arts college. And I fortunately I have my brother as an example because he graduated from um, a liberal arts college and he works in finance. Yep. Nor that prestige, you know, because I feel like a lot of times there's that prestige factor for people too. And, you know, there are awesome liberal arts colleges out there as well. You mentioned one, Harvey Mudd, but there are so many more out there. And I think the ability that they uh, they have in helping students to think critically sometimes because it's more discussion-based is so valuable.
0: Yep. And you know that I I, uh, I ran an internship for 15 years at an aerospace company. And I can tell, and have having hired and worked with so many engineers from different colleges, I cannot tell you the difference between somebody who has a liberal arts background versus just a very focused engineering discipline or science discipline um, focused to their education. People and, and a lot of different businesses, they will recognize the fact and they'll state publicly that um, they'll hire somebody for, with a really solid uh, liberal arts background, even for a technical job, because they know the person can think, ask questions, and communicate effectively. And so I, I kid a lot of students in that, um, you know, basically liberal arts colleges are setting you up for success in what you choose to do and like you said if you're if you want to be a scientist or work engineer or doctor or whatever um in the sciences a liberal arts background will definitely serve you well
1: oh absolutely especially i feel like i've heard that a lot in law too oh yeah so you know don't think that you know going to a liberal arts college is you know in any way shortchanging. i don't think I don't know if you ever have that ish- discussion with your students too, but they're like, why are you recommending liberal arts colleges? And I'm like, because I really think some of them might be a good fit for you.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And now that we know that, you know, the statistics will show and research has, has supported that uh, your undergraduate school, uh, if you think that the boutique name and, and or name brand um, has everything to do with whether you're going to get a good job, Um, Statistics don't support that. It's basically, are you getting a really good education and can, if you decide to um, head towards um, graduate school, getting a good education is what they're looking at. They're not looking for a name brand. So um, I think that's an important thing that students have to understand. That's part of the uh, next step that they're setting up for long term.
1: So what what do we do about the students, the juniors and seniors that have no idea what they want to do?
0: Yeah i you I'm, you mentioned that you're often the one who recommends the liberal arts school. Uh, for those students who really don't know what they want to do, there's two two camps and I think uh, we've we've identified that in our notes to each other in that do you go to a university where there are a huge number of, of courses available to you and you can explore, or do you go to a liberal arts college where you can explore? and explore asking those questions and good reading and reflection. So it's two different learning environments. And I think in larger universities, you're kind of a fish out there in the ocean versus where you are at a liberal arts college. A lot of times you have a little bit more support, actually a lot more support, and building relationships and talking to people about um, possibilities. So I, I think you asked the really good question early on, And that's how do you learn best? What is the kind of environment that you thrive in? And I think, you know, if you don't like small classes and talking to people, if you're an introvert who does well, Mm. go to a university. You can probably be really successful there um, in a a class with, you know, 700 people. If you need that conversation part, you know, a liberal arts college is, is something you definitely want to consider. How about you, what do you do?
1: Uh, So it also depends. Uh, So sometimes if a student really can't decide, but they're between a few different things, I'll try to narrow down a little more. So for example, I might talk about, do you prefer writing papers um, or taking tests or working on group projects? And sometimes that'll help identify certain things. But sometimes I do recommend the larger universities for the pure fact that they can take a lot more different types of classes Across different disciplines, when there there's a when they can't really narrow it down to one, and so um, with a larger university, sometimes you'll have that flexibility to major or to major and minor in two different schools, and so sometimes um, that is a benefit because sometimes you've built your put down your roots and you don't want to have to transfer out of that school. For a major you've discovered you've liked, and so sometimes a larger university, especially the larger public universities, will give you more options to stay in that university while pursuing um, your new interest.
0: I completely agree, and and uh, I think it's it's relevant. And to give a shout out to um, programs that they're called dual degree programs or three twos, um, four ones, three three, three is what uh, the number of years. And basically in three years you get a liberal arts degree and they partner with another college that or another college or university that does engineering or a different science. And you can basically get a dual degree. You get a, a bachelor's liberal arts degree in three years. And then you transfer to another school and finish up um, a, a professional discipline, say like engineering degree in two years um, there's lots of things to consider in that because um, basically you're talking about two sets of applications. It's not a sure thing if you don't keep your grades high enough to get into an engineering school. But um, those are those are options that are out there for those people who are looking.
1: Absolutely, and not just in like engineering but also like pre-professional programs,
0: yeah.
1: um, like obviously med school, but also like what some of my students hadn't thought about before is like I had someone tell me, you know, I really – want to work in healthcare, but the thought of having someone's life on my hands would seriously freak me out. And I said, have you ever thought about therapy, Um, whether it be occupational or physical? And they hadn't before. And so I think there's other, you know, there's benefits to exploring and, you know, those programs also have like those, you know, the joint master bachelor programs um, where you could save time and money.
0: Absolutely. And that, that is one of those things. Uh, at dual degree programs, you are thinking about a longer term financial investment. Um, and, it, and it's you before stepping into a program like that, because it is a long term investment, you make sure you understand the numbers and, and what kind of financial obligations associated with it.
1: So closing questions. Yeah. Um, wh- why don't you pick one and I'll pick one? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll get one. So you've got the student who comes in and they say, uh, and, and just not, not to put it out there as a benchmark, but one of the students I worked with about three years ago, he had taken 16 AP classes in college. Now that required him to take classes before, after, and even uh, outside of school um, to be able to get that. Now I immediately shot back when I heard that, I said, well, how many of those did you get a four or five in? And he said, all but one, I got a five. So wow. I don't want to put that as a standard out there, but I think that's ridiculous because uh, at, w- at what point is enough enough? And while that shows, you know, ambition and courage and exploration and all the things we're talking about, there also has to be a point at which you're saying, you know, what's, what makes sense mm. and, uh, So that's, that's one thing when you have a student who comes and they have uh, so many different AP classes listed that they're going to take. And they say to you, you know, what do you think? When do you say enough is enough?
1: I usually review, um, their grades before we talk about what else they have on their plate. Um, and we talk about how they're not in a competition with anyone else. (laughs) And, you know, and, you know, how important, you know, taking care of themselves is how important getting sleep is, and, you know, trying to pick and choose which ones are going to be the best for some students. It makes sense to take a full AP course load. Yep, And by that I mean they are intellectually starved um, and sometimes those students literally run out of classes to take at their high school. So yes. that could be similar to your situation of the kid who took 16 APs. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're talking about you're not just a student when you apply to a college. You're a person, and <laughs> they're trying to figure out how well you fit into the community. So if you're going to be nonstop studying and that's all you have time for, you know, based on your own abilities, I think that's really important to talk about is your ability. Then, you know, maybe you want to alter your schedule slightly. Maybe take one less. Right. Um, just so that you have more time to devote to the others. Um, and it's okay. I think it's okay to recognize that you might have limitations. Um, every student operates differently, but there's you have your own way to shine.
0: For sure. Well, and that's that's one of those things. I, I just thought of a question that I should ask um, admissions uh, representatives when I sit in front of them is, do you ever look at a transcript and say this transcript is out of balance this isn't a student who um understands when enough is enough and whether mm-hmm. they look and they see this is too many ap classes i don't know if I've, I've never asked that but I i think that might come into the conversation in the future
1: yeah you should ask them in november <laughs> Um, So Mark and I will be in L.A. in November um, for a conference. And you know what? Maybe we'll get a picture together and we'll share it on the site. See the see the travelings of Ann and Mark. I do wonder. That is a really great point. And I would say it's hard because sometimes I feel like colleges give the expectation that in order to be a candidate, you have to have that, especially if you go to a really competitive high school where the top five percent are in every AP Uh, Possible, So it becomes really difficult to keep that message clear of let's stay the course because I always tell them I'm not necessarily I'm obviously invested in the success that we bring you in terms of college, but I'm invested in your success overall
0: as a person
1: as a person and you know people change their majors all the time and you know this and that but you know that's what we try to I try to get across Um, and you know what not every family (laughs) I might not be a fit for every family. (laughs) So I'll put right. that out there.
0: Yep, exactly right.
1: So what is the craziest advice you've given a student as it relates to preparing for college admissions um, related to coursework or otherwise? Or the crazy,
0: craziest advice. Well, and and the thing or is... Or has
1: been deemed as crazy. Deemed as
0: crazy. Yeah, actually uh, taking a psychology class. Um, and especially for those students that I think... I've, I, I do a lot of... Uh, and asking questions of students that I think they don't normally take the time to um, reflect on. And many of them have to do with um, what's important to them for them in their future and what's important to them about the world around them. And one of the things that I do is I often, if it's available at their school, will have them entertain, if not actually take, a psychology class. And the reason being, I think that is kind of the gateway drug to um, actually thinking about what's important to you, which it directly should be some of the questions you ask before you actually go to college.
1: I think that's, 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 that's a great
0: one. Crazy, crazy, crazy talk right there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: crazy. Mine, I recently actually um, – after seeing my student's schedule, I and, and I didn't give them the template for this schedule, um, I recommended actually with the parent present, I was like, I would like you to participate in a meditation program.
0: Oh, there you go.
1: And I yep. was like, your mother may be giving me death stares for recommending this. Yep. Um, but I said, you know what? You won't make it. To height, you won't make it to senior year if you continue like this. You know, I'm like, I don't care what your peers are doing, I care what you're doing. And at this rate, you'll burn out before we get there, or you might lose some of the best qualities you know you have um, because you're just trying to keep up. You know, so I think sometimes you, you know, we give those kids a check, and you know, if you know a student well enough, you can tell them that. And actually, the parent was on board with me. But yeah. for sure, it was probably the craziest advice I'd given out in terms of, okay, I would like you to participate in some meditation. <laughs> um, or like Yale has that happy course, I think, online now that people can take too. Right,
0: yep. Well, I, 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 I think pairing that with almost um, kind of a negotiation where if, if a student identifies that they want to take this incredibly rigorous course load, it's almost worth challenging them that if that's important to you and my advice is important to you and you respect it, I want you to also take a meditation class because I don't think you will actually survive in a healthy way um, through this next year or two. And you're setting yourself up for a very unsuccessful uh, transition to college. Whereas that meditation class might actually set them up for, not only success in high school, but for college as well. So, yeah, I think that's a genius recommendation.
1: (laughs) Crazy, you know, crazy crazy by some of my parents here for sure. But you know, I think we say this because every student is different. There are some kids that will just soar and fly through, you know, a challenging curriculum and actually really thrive on it. And there's some kids, you know, I think like you said before, it comes back to intention. What is the purpose?
0: (laughs) <laughs> there's question one of every conversation <laughs>
1: <laughs> and on that lovely note we thank you for your time thanks for joining us today
0: happy application hunting
1: yes happy application hunting right. uh, maybe you'll find a unicorn on the way right mark
0: Woo-hoo! glitter glue Thanks for listening to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast, where we make getting into college easy and fun. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and subscribe to get updated each week when we release a new episode. Also, for more helpful college admissions information, visit our website at www.c2ccollegepodcast.com.